is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to the complex task of covering the clashes and impacts of demonstrations and blockades across Canada. RCMP what started as friction around construction of a natural gas pipeline in northern British Columbia has escalated to blockades and increasingly disruptive protests in solidarity with hereditary chiefs of the Wet'suwet'en Band who are opposed to the project. We are land defenders and we want to ensure that we have our rights and title recognized in our own territory. I was arrested because I felt that it was important to be there standing beside the wet sweat and people. Protesters oppose the coastal gas link pipeline project in northern BC. 20 elected band councils along the route support it, but the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs say they never approved construction on their traditional territory. And while opponents to the natural gas pipeline took the bulk of their actions to the streets of the province's biggest city, No pipelines on stolen native land! Close at hand for Vancouver-based journalists to speak with. Some regular working-class people are disrupted in their day-to-day lives, but the more pressing reality is the colonial invasion there's also considerable support for the project in Wet'suwet'en territory, a thousand kilometers away. We feel that we're unrepresented and there's been no dialogue with those of us that are supporting projects. And our people are scared to speak up because they've been ostracized, bullied, and intimidated. It's not fair, just because we want to work. We're from an industrial town. We've always worked for industry. As the community divisions become more stark, the solidarity actions across the country have become their own story, with the rail blockades having increasingly widespread impact. We're looking at uh, thousands of potential temporary layoffs in, in the rail sector. Um, you know, we're talking to mining companies that are having to curtail their operations. As long as rail cars in Ontario sit idle, farmers too are at the mercy of protesters. Protesters shut down Vancouver's streets and bridges, causing traffic chaos and heated exchanges. No one's got an argument! No one's got an argument, bunch of cowards! This isn't the owners of CP and this isn't the federal government that are being affected. This is your little guy on the street. And while politicians have been debating how to resolve this deeply complex situation, some pipeline opponents have made it personal. About half a dozen protesters with Extinction Rebellion showed up outside Premier John Horgan's home in Langford, hoping to block him from heading to Victoria for the budget. Instead, some of those protesters were arrested. We are not trespassing. Coastal gas link is trespassing. I'm really struggling to understand why uh, these protesters are being given so much leash. If anyone else had engaged in this activity, they would have been arrested on the spot. With rotating marches, road and transit blockades, plus demonstrations keeping Metro Vancouverites from their jobs and families now spanning weeks. These protesters may be losing public support throughout the morning. We saw lots of drivers rolling down their windows, swearing at them, some of them even waving their middle fingers. I'm going to bring in the two reporters for CTV who've been covering this issue extensively. Alison Hurst has been uh, primarily focused on the local 
demonstrations, the local activity, and trying to weave in the bigger uh, context. And then Melanie Nagy, thank you so much for coming on to the pod for the first time, is one of our national reporters trying to present what's been happening to a national audience, and that comes with its own challenges. So thank you both for being on the pod. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to start out with how complicated this story actually is, because on the surface, I think a lot of people are seeing protesters, they're seeing people impacted by the road closures, uh, transit disruptions, that kind of thing. But this is actually a really complex story to cover because there aren't just two sides in this. There are actually many sides to what's been going on here. And Ali, I'm just going to start with you just kind of on a local level, um, what it's been like trying to convey who's been impacted by the demonstrations and by the conflict that's been going on. Right. Well, we've had uh, some of the demonstrations. There was the Camby and Broadway uh, intersection closure that was a 16-hour sit-in that started around rush hour time. We had the bridge closure on Granville Bridge. And then we had the um, march through East Vancouver. Um, So those are some of the things that we've seen direct impact on drivers, on people trying to get to and from work for medical appointments. And it's been a struggle to try and make sure that we still hear from those people that they their day-to-day lives are being impacted by the demonstrations and the demonstrations are a much bigger story they're part of what's what we're seeing across the country and so it's been tough to balance the immediate impact on your trying to get to a medical appointment and the bigger impact of what the messaging is around what people think of the protests themselves and then what um, those who are a part of these demonstrations feel that they want the message that they want to get across. And that message can actually be quite muddled because we're hearing some people calling themselves protesters. We're hearing other people saying they're there for uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Uh, We're seeing um, broad environmental issues in addition to what's happening in the Wet'suwet'en territory. Right. We're seeing pipeline protesters. There has been mention of TMX and CGL pipelines. Those are completely separate issues. Um, We're hearing about Indigenous rights with, with, you know, the RCMP um, up there on Wet'suwet'en land. And so these are people that are protesting various different aspects of the much larger conversation. Mel? I think in all of this, even it comes back to context. In context, in what we do as King, this is, we're seeing immediate actions every day. We're seeing response. We're hearing from different voices. And it is difficult to try to get every aspect of the story. Number one, geography um, plays a role. There are actions happening across the country. Wet'suwet'en territory is far from where we are. Even obtaining the voices via geography can be difficult, but the context is important. And I think in in sharing the story from a national audience, it's to kind of explain this isn't something that happened overnight. This didn't just spring up. This has been the issues at the root of this with the Wet'suwet'en traditional territory, with RCMP on their traditional territory, with this issues around the pipeline. This has been going on for years. So some people might look at this and think, oh, this kind of just all came about. Well, no, this has got deep-rooted history and context. So number one, that's always important to share, and that can be difficult when you're limited in, in time and your ability to convey your stories. Um, there's also the challenge at a national level of, of bringing all these different actions together, what they mean, 
as Allison mentioned, the messaging is always quite different. You know, while the Wet'suwet'en and their issues are the foundation, these demonstrations have really expanded to include a broad range of ideas. So then to bring that down to people and explain reasons for people being there, there's different cultural aspects you have to bring in. Different nations have different traditions. There's different language. Then you've got the politics side of that. You've got a provincial uh, government and what they're doing. You've got the federal government. So I think to bring it all in into one cohesive picture for my national audience. It's what we strive to do. We strive to do it fair and balanced and objective, but it's difficult. There's a lot to take in, so much information to digest and then share with people in an understandable manner. And, you know, television, we know in its medium, it's limited with time. Um, we wish we could have the entire newscast to share that story, and it deserves that, but as well, so do all the other stories. Um, that are taking place so it, it is a, it's a challenge but I for me what I hold on to is always context to make sure you give people context in this not just the sound bites not just the clips not just the scene from the protest but you give them that context so they can try to make sense of what's going on because it's not just a matter of for and against right there's actually a lot more to it than you know in favor or against a certain particular project that while it was the genesis of this like you say it's really grown beyond that and now we're starting to dig into all sorts of issues around it this is not an issue of just two sides it's nuanced there's a lot going on here and and you know whether it is the Wet'suwet'en whether it's the young um indigenous person out sharing their voice of what they feel or whether you are the commuter there are so many different approaches to this and I think really as journalists it is our job to get out there and talk to all sides in this and that's not always popular to be honest with you it hasn't been popular we've been criticized for sometimes including pro-pipeline voices we've been criticized for going too much on the anti-pipeline voices so at the end of the day you just have to keep pushing forward getting trying to get everybody's voices to the table so that Canadians can take this information and they can make their own assessment by what you share with them. And I just think springing off of that, you've also got the day-to-day focus of what has happened. And with a TV medium, you know, we need to rope in um, what someone has witnessed uh, on camera and try and tie that in. And sometimes with those time constraints, it can be tough to really dig back deeply into some of that context because you have to make sure that whatever today's impact was is is fairly displayed and with so many different sides so many different opinions and wanting to try and give everybody an opportunity to have their say it can day to day as this story continues to kind of you know snowball um it it it's picking up more and more people and trying to include those voices day-to-day can I think sometimes be quite a challenge well and Mill you touched on this but so we're coming from a foundation of we want to hear from as many people as possible we want to express what their motivations are what their concerns are we've got tremendous logistical hurdles uh, the Wet'suwet'en territory is a 14-hour drive from where we are in Metro Vancouver right now. We've seen some uh, action in the Kamloops area. We never know where it's going to be in the Metro Vancouver area, despite our efforts to try to communicate with the demonstrators, where are you going next, what are your plans, simply for us to be able to have the resources to say, you know, this is happening here. Uh, this is a really logistically challenging story, especially because sometimes um, we've seen blockades in eastern Canada that are impacting goods um, and, and you know people's livelihoods here in BC. So all of a sudden, it's not just CTV Vancouver and, and our national uh, bureau chief here in Vancouver. We're coordinating with other stations and trying to figure out 
where do we go? And it's it's actually really difficult to try to figure out who goes where and, and what do we try to, to cover, which is everything, but it's just not logistically feasible. This story has moved, it's moved fast too. There's developments every hour. Um, protests start, they stop, blockades go up, they go down, um, somebody's speaking up north. It's been really, it's moved fast. Every day there's a development, I would say every hour, and, and even just tracking that. A lot of the information as well, it's not following the traditional format of say, press release, event, you go, you get notice of it. A lot of it's being, um, you know, social media is dominating this by being, we're finding things out by Twitter or by social media. We're, we're online trying to figure out what's going on as well because that's how you're getting the information. So you're searching for the information, you're reacting to the information, you're trying to get there, and it's changing. And that's one thing I felt, it, it's changing every hour, every day. And Ali, you, I know there were several days that you were um, explaining what was happening during the day with a sit-in at the Attorney General's office and all sorts of stuff. We had plans for you to be live with the protesters. All of a sudden, I think it was 4.30 or something, they peeled out of his office and we didn't know where they were going next. So even just from a, a planning perspective, we're pretty agile. People have heard on this podcast before, our live resource is now basically a suitcase where you just connect the camera and go live from the DeGero. But even still, like trying to get through around even downtown Vancouver at the last minute, it ain't easy. No, it's really hard. And we've I have made so many calls over the last week and a half to our assignment desk and to my colleagues. Hey, we're hearing there there's a group heading into, you know, the downtown east side or there's a group up uh, near Camby and Broadway or yeah, you know, uh, commercial. And so can you can you go and check it out for me? Are you nearby? I mean, and even I was set up to do a live hit on the Granville Bridge. Um, after the protest was over and two protesters came up to me and said, do you know where they are? Because we've been looking for them. I have a backpack full of snacks. I thought they would still be here and they're not. And we don't know which social media to follow because there's different accounts. And, you know, Mel and I have been trying to keep each other posted on, I saw this one, I saw this one, which one was more recent? Okay, that maybe that more recent one is probably what's going to happen next. And so um, it, it has been a bit of a challenge. There was the first press release I received about um, the uh, demonstrations was the March Through East van. Um, that started at a commercial in Broadway and, and we followed them throughout. That was the first time I saw a time of meeting plan action and there were hundreds of people who turned out so you know that may have played an impact into just how many people came in the time right and I think within the um, structure of this organization even if you can call it that these demonstrators um, I think there are um, we're getting some mixed messages because I think some of them want the media attention they want the platform particularly the national attention they want to be some of them disruptive as possible others don't even want to talk to us at all um, like I'm thinking in, in Victoria there was the big um, demonstration on, on at the uh, legislature for the throne speech and then a couple of days later um, they made a spreadsheet available of where they were going to be demonstrating outside of other government offices and how many people we could expect at each one so very different strategies strategies and the leadership, if it can be called such, because I think it's just a loose gathering, um, it, it seems to be quite conflicted about how to handle us and whether they even want us there or would rather not have uh, the scrutiny of trained journalists on them and just handle their own messaging through Twitter or anywhere else. I would say that's one of the challenges, and this isn't particularly, I would say, in the last week I've noticed this. This is where it has been, I've noticed a shift. 
I've covered protests, for example, in this province for years. And, um, you know, you're there, you're usually welcome to be there because you're there as an observer. You're there to capture the information and share it. We're usually informed on where the roots of the marches will be, where they will end up. That's traditionally been my experience. And I haven't just covered protests here. It's been across the country. So, but things have shifted here. There seems to be um, some, like you mentioned, some people want you there, other people don't. And, and they're actually verbalizing that in these spaces. You know, when you go to talk to people, it's our job. What brought you out here today? What, what are you supporting? We're there to ask and, and to hear their message. I've either been met with no answer, people walk away from me, people say they won't talk to me, and then people sometimes will borderline on rude about why I'm there. I've heard some of the leadership or, or people on megaphones instructing people at these rallies to be mindful who they're talking to. For example, it was recently when a there was a protest that led to um, the rail blockade over the weekend here. Over the megaphone, it went out. The media are going around asking people why they're here. We'd like you to think and consider who's best to talk about that. And keep in mind, the media can be pushy. And this was a different tone for me. I, I see myself as when I'm there to collect the information, to be an observer, to share this information. Um, and there seems to be this shift where people are now dismissing you as media, um, a distrust, and it's kind of backfiring on us and it makes it difficult. There, there is sometimes some aggression in the group to you doing your job there. Do you think part of it is also, though, damage control? Because we have seen protesters, demonstrators at various events um, coming out with messages that may not perhaps be in sync with what um, leadership or what the organizers would like. Um, if, for example, I'm thinking one protester saying that she understood it was bitumen in the pipeline that was being protested against. And I think those um, kind of embarrassing moments perhaps could have guided this. So do you, do you get a sense, Mel, if it's, it's like a damage control, only certain people are authorized to talk kind of thing, muzzling some of the, these demonstrators? Or do you think it is a overall ge a general anti-media, mainstream media? sentiment I don't think I'm gonna I, I'm not in a position to judge their their strategies or how they interact with the people that come out and, and I'm not gonna kind of judge how they how they play that or why it is but what I will say though and I'll speak on behalf of my colleagues and Allison and everybody there I truly believe in our profession and what we do, and we've been trained to be there, to be fair, to be balanced, to be objective. We are there to hear from you. And I do find it difficult. I mean, sometimes it's even offensive the way people treat me and talk to me. By being there, I'm trying to do my job. And I believe my record as a journalist stands as being an ethical journalist. And I feel like they are just somehow painting us now with whatever brush they want to paint us with. But they are sometimes vilifying. And they've, I've been called big media, mainstream media. I've been called fake news. Where's this coming from? I mean, I, I, it's, it, this is new. We, I haven't seen this as much in Canadian protests in recent years. So yeah, as to why, the message from them why we're not having access to many people I, I don't know um i just know that it's becoming more and more difficult to get a variety of voices when we're covering these events 
And typically in Vancouver, it's not hard to find people to talk. And even if there is a diversity of opinion, people have in many times, because I've also covered many protests, uh, pipeline protests, all types, um, they're coming up to me and saying, I'd like to have my say as well. Happy to hear from you. We can't unfortunately include everybody because like you say, time constraints, but I'm always happy to hear from people and what their thoughts are, what their concerns are. So this is like a, a pretty radical shift um, as far as protests in Vancouver. Have you found that as well, Ali? Yeah, yeah, I certainly have. There have been moments or times where, um, you know, I've felt more comfortable when other members of the media, you know, whatever uh, stations we're all from, were together um, in in some of the marches and in covering some of that, just because, um, you know, there is this differing opinion. There seems to be some sort of a not lack of unification on messaging and so you're getting different points of view and different perspectives on your presence from various people and you just you know you don't you don't necessarily know who who is happy to see you there and who isn't and um and it 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 makes it very challenging and um i i welcome anyone at any of these protests to come and tell me what their story is and why they're there and as you know as melanie was saying like that's 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 our role and I'm proud to to do that and to to try and share as diverse opinions as possible. I mean, the minute I hear a new reason why someone came out, that's to me is like, oh, we haven't heard that before. That's fascinating. We're we're all there to to do a job and try and and um, show as much of why everyone is there as possible. And it, yeah, it's 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 been a real challenge compared to other protests that I've covered as well. Speaking of challenges. Um some of the demonstrators are there to protest um, RCMP actions. And in fact, the RCMP has been getting in the way of us being able to cover this issue and not just the RCMP, but in Pitt Meadows, when they were uh, blocking a commuter rail, when they were blocking the West Coast Express, we saw rail police step in and tell journalists that they could not step onto private property, even though the demonstrators were there. So we're also seeing, um, it hasn't happened in Vancouver, and I wouldn't expect it to handle in Vancouver considering their familiarity with protests here, but we're seeing law enforcement uh, essentially getting in the way of us doing our jobs as well. Yeah, I would say well, you can start up uh, in Wet'suwet'en territory there and uh, a broad exclusion zone was put in place there. That really hindered. We had a CTV camera, a freelancer there, not able to get anywhere near what was going on um, to observe and record what was going on, all other media too. So you had, starting up there with this exclusion zone, that limiting journalists on with, you could say, the front lines of this story and inability to be able to gather the voices to properly see what was going on there. So it starts there. But then you noticed it, I mean, and one that really stands out for me is recently there were um, people demonstrating outside of the the Premier's house. And um, media was there to cover that. As soon as we were getting to the point where it looked like the police were going to clear everybody out, all of a sudden media asked to move back. On tape, it's clear. The officer says, this is now an exclusion zone. You need to move back or else you could be arrested. The, the camera's already across the street, but no, they were moved so far back behind, it was so difficult to see what was going on. This raises alarm bells for me. When we, as journalists, that was on public property. The journalists, the cameras are on the sidewalk. They weren't on the premier's home. They weren't near the premier's home. And then they're pushed back. That starts to raise alarms for me. I mean, you know, we are freedom of the 
press. That's part of our constitution. It's a key part of democracy. And it, it, it alarmed me. I wrote to the RCMP immediately when I saw that and I said, hey, what's going on with this exclusion zone? I did get a response for them. Um, they said for me to review the, um, the island's press release. And in that, they had a note that said that it was a safety zone that was established, not an exclusion zone. It was a safety zone to keep their officers safe. I think a careful reflection of that tape would show that perhaps there wasn't a lot of dangers. I mean, I'm not an officer, so I'm not going to judge there, but this is new too. I, I don't recall people covering demonstrations where these exclusion zones, because an officer clearly said that, and that, that troubles me because that makes it difficult. We're there to, be, to, to observe not only people demonstrating, but the police. That's our job. That's what we're there for. But our job is being hindered when all of a sudden these safety zones or exclusion zones are being implemented, which I have not seen this happen as much in recent years. Well, we're there to document, like you say, to observe, but also to document. And that's, again, the power of television is that people can have a look for themselves as to what was happening. Was it an unsafe situation? And decide for themselves. Again, everyone's going to armchair quarterback the decisions of the police, but at the same time, how are we going to impartially uh, report on what's happening if we can't be there to see it ourselves? We often rely on social media video for stuff that has happened when we weren't there. Oftentimes it's a strange circumstance. Somebody whips out their phone, they document it. But we are always trying to verify with the person who took it, try to find anybody else who was there to get a fuller context. And there's been material that we haven't reported on or have been very cautious about in relation to all these issues around the uh, Wet'suwet'en uh, conflicts and, and demonstrations and blockades. We have to be extremely careful if we don't know and have a really good sense of what's going on it's it's incredibly treacherous to start getting into that territory so there's people need to realize there's also stuff that we don't put on tv because we haven't been able to verify exactly what led up to a certain circumstance for example just to kind of close on this i, I don't want people to get the impression that we're a bunch of thin-skinned wimps and we don't like this and we don't like that the whole point of of this episode and really for this podcast is just so that people can understand the stuff that you're reading online that we uh, provide on our website, the stuff that you see on our newscasts, it doesn't come easy. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of cultivating relationships, a lot of logistical considerations. And at the heart of it is we just want people in our community to know why couldn't you get home today? What is it that's leading to all of this stuff happening? Why do we have a community up north that appears to be really fractured by this issue? And it's going to be something really complicated and not easy to solve. You can't just, you know, walk in and, you know, wave a pen around or, or do something to sign some sort of agreement. It's not that easy. And I, I really hope that people um, walk away with this podcast with a sense of the challenges and issues we're facing in trying to convey exactly what's going on to the best of our abilities on a day-to-day -day basis when you're trying to keep things fresh and interesting and, and people understanding how it connects to, to a bigger piece. It is an important story. It's it's the most important story in Canada right now because um, it touches on all things from culture to politics to economy. So it's so important, but it's also, it is difficult in the sense because it is so many so many different avenues and so nuanced and I really encourage people to look at a variety of sources do some reading look at the history of the Wet'suwet'en look at what say the Port of Vancouver scene do a variety because it's you you need to 
bring in information from all sources on this to get a clear balanced idea that's what we try to do every day and you know what it is a challenge it has shifted um it's it's not an easy one to cover but again it's still a privilege to do what we do and to be out on the streets and to be there and hear from people and try to share the story with not just British Columbians, but Canadians, you know, we take that job seriously. And so while it might be challenging, you know, we're going to stick with it. But I do encourage people just dig into it, learn about it. Don't take just one source, look at different things, you know, and then, you know, you can form your own informed opinion about what's going on. And I'd like to think that the, the way we're covering it and the way we're trying to get all the angles is encouraging conversation yeah. amongst people too. Because as we're seeing the rippling effect right across the country of this happening, different communities have different reactions, have different feelings, have different opinions. And I think we're seeing a lot of historic issues that have been at the crux of Canada bubble to the surface. Uh, you know, Mel's listed a bunch of them. I might add law enforcement to that as well. And so I think it's an opportunity for everyday Canadians, everyone right from coast to coast to really talk about how they feel about issues when it comes to Indigenous rights, when it comes to freedom of the press, when it comes to the right to protest and the right to, to, to speak out. And um, I think it's an I, I, I hope by trying to show all of the different sides of this that it's it's allowing for a more fulsome conversation than by just focusing on one or the other or, or two or three. And I'd only add to that in talking and hopefully we're generating conversation. I also hope people are listening. So converse, but listen to what each other is saying. You know, that's that's important to you to truly, truly listen to all the sides and where everybody's coming from. I think it's part of the conversation. Thank you so much for your time, both of you. Thank okay. you. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. And I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sujan's Lady at the Ledge podcast, combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues in BC. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daffoss.